What's up, everyone, and welcome to Positively Chaotic. If this is your first time tuning in, make sure to subscribe to the Positively Chaotic channel on YouTube. And if you're listening, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I am so glad to have you here. This week, we have the wonderful Jody Sweeten, and Jody and I discuss everything from Full House to Fuller House to becoming a childhood star at age five. And she currently hosts the parenting podcast, Never Thought I'd Say This. Jody, I'm incredibly excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the show. How the bloody hell are you? And how are you getting through this madness of quarantine life? Oh, well, uh, well first of all, I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, quarantine has been, uh, it's been rough. You know, it's not, it's not been easy. And I think a lot of us are in that same boat, but you know. We're making the best of it and plugging through and trying to, you know, all not kill each other in the house. And <laughs> so yep. far, we've been successful. So I think we're yep. doing okay. What's a miracle is that my wife probably nearly murdered me about three times a week before quarantine. And now <laughs> here we are when we went into this thing. I was like, holy shit. It's either going to end as a quick divorce and a really bad one, right. or we're gonna get through it. And somehow, when I tell you my wife and I have become so much closer, my children and I, and I know we both have two daughters, yes. have become so much closer. Um, it's been a really weird time, but do you find spending more time with the family is difficult? Are the kids gearing up to go back to this online learning? Are you coping or having a breakdown? Like, how's um, the whole thing going for you? You know, I'll be really honest. It's been hard. It's been really yeah. hard. Um, I suffer from debilitating anxiety. And um, that has obviously not been, uh, <laughs> it's that's been raging lately. Um, so, you know, I'm doing my prayer meditation and things that I've learned throughout my, you know, time in sobriety to try and keep my, my brain together. Um, and the kids have not loved quarantine. You know, my older daughter is, um, she's 12 and she started middle school last year. So she was right halfway through her first year through sixth grade and, you know, everything just kind of fell apart. And so both my girls, I think really struggled with that. They're incredibly social. And so all of a sudden going from, social life and friends and soccer and dance classes and all of this stuff to like, oh yeah, we're not doing anything and we're not seeing anybody and we're just, everything is at home now through a screen. It's been a rough adjustment. And I think a lot of parents are finding that because I do the the podcast, never thought I'd say this with my friend, Celia Behar, we have been, I mean, we haven't run out of material, that's for sure. But yeah. it's, you know, I think a lot of parents, I mean, I know every time I read an article about parents that are struggling or that their kids are just losing their fucking mind, like it makes me feel not so alone because it's been, it's been chaotic and messy and it hasn't been pretty. But at the same time, you know, like you were saying, I think in some ways, as much as, you know, maybe my girls have been fighting or we've been, you know, at each other at certain points, I do think we're hitting that stage now where we we're more in acceptance and you know how it, once you get into acceptance, you're like, okay, now I can deal with what is not with what I want to be, not with what I wish it was, not with what it should be, but with what actually is. And I feel like we're kind of getting to that point, 
you know, and, and so it's, it's definitely smoothing out a little bit. And my, my boyfriend moved in the end of last month from New York. We've been together almost three years and he came out at the end of last month. So that has been, that's been a huge help too. just, he's wonderful and so calming and, and just such a great partner and support for me. And my girls really love him and he's very calm and stuff with them. So that has also changed the dynamic for crazy women in the house. <laughs> I, and you know something I have to say, Thank you for sharing all of that, because as a father, it's actually refreshing to hear what other people are going through, because I think we're all going yeah. through our own madness right now. You know, right. I suffer with extreme anxiety. Um, yeah. And sadly, for my 10 year old, who's the oldest of my two daughters, she suffers with extreme anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, going to school was so helpful because it took her out of that anxiety and now being yeah. at home it, it's yeah, yeah. so much, it, it's been elevated. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, so we're dealing, dealing with, with that it. too. You know, my, my younger one definitely has that and my, you know, so it is. And, and you see them and you're like, oh, I know that I can't fix this for you. I yeah. know what it is for me and nobody else can fix it. And so at least I do, I can understand and I can relate, but it doesn't always make it any easier to deal with. And it doesn't make, it doesn't suddenly make, just because I also suffer from anxiety and all these, you know, sorts of things doesn't mean that I suddenly have all the answers, you know, Correct. it doesn't. And I, I certainly don't. And the more anxious my daughter gets, sadly, the more anxious I become. Um, and it's kind of like one of those bizarre lose, lose situations. We're trying to navigate through it, but when it's your child, someone you're so close to and love and care for, the last thing you want to see is them suffer. Right. And just, just to segue into your podcast for a quick minute here, what better podcast right now than a bloody parenting podcast? Because I think all of us are like, fuck, what yeah. the hell do we do? And if I say to my wife one more time that my life hasn't changed that much since the pandemic, and she will likely murder me. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah. know, it, it, it's a bizarre time. But you overall seem to be a real pro from everything I've researched at navigating the chaos of life right? You know, I, I am. And strangely enough, I think um, because, you know, and I, I do think because uh, sometimes those of us with anxiety live in this constant state of like, <gasps> something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We're always like chaos to us feels more comfortable. Chaos to us feels like, oh, okay, now like my brain is going in 9,000 different directions. I could do this. It's, mm -hmm. and you know, and I've always talked about this, it's the still quiet moments mm -hmm. that are really hard. And I think during this quarantine, there's been a lot of those. There's been a lot of still quiet moments just with ourselves. And then there's been moments of trying to manage the chaos of our families and our kids and their emotions. And, you know, I'm sure, I mean, I've talked about it on my podcast, which I always like to say it's a, it is a parenting podcast, but it's really more comedy with a touch, with a sprinkle of parenting. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and it's, it's super inappropriate and we're just super real because what parents are going through right now is not easy. And it is, it's the, yep. it's the chaos of it. And we feel like I can do chaos, but then in the quiet times, it's like, now, now what is this just, yep. is this what it is? Okay. So this is what it is. Oh my God, I can't do this. What, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Like, and it, what you know, the and then you just start going off and tripping yourself up and then, you know, your kids are showing anxiety. And so you're like, can you just stop? Can you just please stop it? And you realize you're taking out your anxiety on them and they are doing it to you. And it's, you know, and you're creating the the even more chaos. And it's so, Absolutely. I think it's so important that we 
talk about this that we you know I like I said I'm reading more articles and you know my my boyfriend is amazing he's been sending me articles too that you know other parents are losing their shit kids yeah. are losing their shit they're angry they're you know all of these things that um we all I think feel very alone in for those of us yeah. whose families are going through a lot of that chaos we all feel like oh my god it's only me like I am fucking this up I at like everyone else has it together and they're going on lovely family walks and you know all this shit and here I am just like laying in bed and then you know alternately we're all screaming at each other um <laughs> you know but the truth is is none of us none of us are, are are handling it perfectly none of us are doing this perfectly because there is no perfect in this there's no perfect right. anyway but in this kind of shit oh there's the rule books, the plan books, all it's out the window. We're just yep. trying to get through each day. And I and I try and tell my kids that too. Like, hey, I you guys, I'm doing my best. I kind of <laughs> don't know what the fuck I'm doing either right now. So yep. just bear with me and I need your help. <laughs> if I if I could like bow down to you right now and say thank you, I would <laughs> because I am so sick and tired of the parents at school that like my child gets up at 7 a.m. and we do reading and then we have no iPad for the whole day yeah, and then right. they make dinner. I'm like, fuck you. Right. You know what? You're not perfect. No one's perfect. And we're all getting through this together. And I'd rather be aligned with people like yourself that are just real, not in denial and like, this shit is difficult and we're dealing with it, but we're going through it together. And, you know, that brings me to like, would you say you've been embracing chaos since your early days as Stephanie Tanner? I mean, has it always been a chaotic journey from start to now? I, you know, I think it, I, you know, in a way it has, and you know, not all chaos is bad. Um, oh my God. You know, That's why the title is positively chaotic. Exactly. The way, there is, there sure. I, like I said, I'm a person who, yes, I can thrive in really emotionally chaotic, painful situations, but I also grew up in a business. You know, I was barely four when I started doing commercials and all that kind of stuff. And then I was five and Full House started. And, you know, the next eight, nine years of my life were traveling on weekends, you know, going to school part time in the morning and then working in the afternoon, doing homework in the car, learning lines, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And so, I actually was really grateful for that because I've always I mean, been a kid. I needed a lot going on, like yeah. boredom and me. I was like, oh, this is terrible. So I've never lived a boring, quiet, simple existence. And I'm grateful for that because I do think, you know, uh, like I said, a quiet time for me is usually the devil's playground. So I, I do better yeah. when I'm busy. But yeah, it's it's definitely become a lifestyle that I've gotten accustomed to and, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly not working for like nine months was not part of the plan. And yeah. I, you know, I've had to realize that that's part of this too. Like part of this is my own struggle with the unknown and the unexpected and finding peace in that, you know, yeah. which throughout, you know, years of getting sober and years of, you know, just being a human, you, you learn how well or not well you deal with those situations and and we're all going through it in one form or another right now it's I, I think this is the biggest unknown that we have collectively faced in in the last you know 20 or 30 years I mean there's been you know economic hardship and all of this kind of stuff but right now it's crazy and all of yep. us are feeling it and that's yep. that's totally fucking okay like it's totally okay to feel like you're losing your mind right now because kind of 
just where we're at, you know? And I keep yep. telling people that because quarantine and not having our normal social outlets is so isolating and exhausting and hard. And so I think the more we remind ourselves that the way we're feeling is normal and to not beat ourselves up, which I have a great tendency to do, uh, that it, it allows us a little more grace during this, you know? Love it all, Jody. I mean, I grew up, it's funny, like, the title of the podcast is Positively Chaotic, right? Because I've always embraced the chaos in my life. And, and not to bore you with my story, but, you know, my dad, and I've never shared this, was arrested for possession of cocaine as my mother was in labor. Oh. And that's how the chaos of my life began is how I see it. Yeah. And from the age of three, I was kicked out of my first school and then I was kicked out of nine schools thereafter. And I think I fed off the chaos and right. I was trying to find my feet, but sitting quiet didn't sit well with me, which is something mm -hmm. I'm learning to do today. But the, the positively chaotic moments is how we take the negatives, turn them into positives and how we figure out that journey along the way. Um, and, and I must tell you, I grew up watching Full House. Oh, when I told my kids today, I was interviewing Jody from Fuller House. They were like, Fuller House, that's amazing. Um, and, and it's super cool. We both share the fact that we have two children. We're going through this together. And I feel like there's a lot of in common and just both of us are in recovery, which I think yeah. is amazing. Thank God during a time like this. And I can say and speak for myself and I'm sure you being uh, in recovery at a time like this, Thank God, because sitting with those hungover thoughts or coming down oh, like a ton yeah. of bricks after a big night out, right. there could be nothing worse that I would want to do. And then remember, we had coronavirus. Right. Yeah, day, exactly. so thank there, God. Yeah, I mean, what I've learned in recovery and all of that has been a huge guiding force. And not only, you know, for myself, but I try and really instill some of those principles in how I raise my sure. kids and how the example that I try to set for my kids and the example of like, you know, there's been plenty of times when I've lost my fucking mind around the house, screamed at them, and then immediately gone back and been, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, that was not, yeah. that was not your fault. That had nothing yeah. to do with you. I, I'm stressed and I really apologize. I took that out on you, and I want to do better. And you know, sometimes I do better, and sometimes I, I, I don't. And that's part of my my experience in life is knowing that like just because maybe you had one day that you didn't. You weren't at your optimal level doesn't mean that you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it, you know, you go, okay, well, tomorrow will be better. And how do I check myself and how do I communicate yeah. so that, you know, I, I can be my most genuine, honest self, particularly with no. my kids. You know, I think a lot of parents sometimes try and hide that they're going through stuff from their kids. Oh. And, you know, of course, our kids don't need to be our emotional support. But I think when our kids see that, you know, we're just human too. And I, I remind my kids of that, like, you know, yeah, I'm mom, but like, I don't, I, I'm just doing my best. I'm yep. just doing yep. my best. And that's all I can do. It, you know, when I can remind myself and them of that, I think it's really helpful. But yeah, the, you know, the chaos has been, and it's strange because during quarantine, it's like there's, there's strangely no chaos because there's not anything to do. And yet there's more than you've ever had in your life. Like, it's this weird dichotomy of like, wow, I'm just kind of laying around all day and like, you know, yeah. doing stuff. And then you're also like, but everything in the world feels like it's imploding right now. <laughs> yes, so, it does. So you're like, I don't know. Am I crazy? Or is are they both happening simultaneously? And you're like, yeah, 
yeah, they are. Like, it is possible to be overwhelmed by not having as many things to do. Well, at least you're doing it with a big fat smile on your face. So <laughs> I congratulate <laughs> you for that. Today I, I, I do. <laughs> I do indeed. And there's there's so much to talk about in, in so little time. And I've done a lot of research and I, I got so many questions, but I, I really want to know from you, if you're, if you're happy telling me about it, yeah. um, how at the age of five years old, and I think about that in relative terms to my children today, like, firstly, how the hell did you even end up getting cast to be on Full House originally? That's, that's a question that comes to mind. Well, you know, it was sort of, I, I actually never auditioned for Full House. Wow. I, yep. um, I did a guest appearance on another show called Valerie, which later became the Hogan family with um, Valerie Harper. And I did one guest appearance on that, and it was the same executive producers, uh, Miller Boyette, uh, who had done a ton of other sitcoms and stuff, and they had Full House in, you know, sort of in development. And when I went and did this one episode, which I was, Jason Bateman was on it, and I just love and adore him. But I did that one episode, and from that, they cast me as Stephanie. I was one of the first cast members that that was cast on the show and you know sort of the rest is history so it was love it it was literally from my first television show appearance that i got cast on the show that would sort of change the course of the rest of my life i mean i think 30 years that show has consistently run throughout the world and my yeah. wife is from bolivia which bless her heart is a really small little country right. in the amazon and my wife grew up watching uh, Full House and it, it's awesome. But did you find it challenging having to work that hard as a kid? Was it difficult? Were you different to the other kids? Like, what, was that um, a hard challenging part or it, it yeah. was just normal? No, it, it was it was both, you know, uh, it was right. both. It was normal for me and I was never a person, like I never watched the show when I was on it. I don't, I still to this day, am not a person that like loves watching myself. Not because I, I, beat myself up as bad as I used to, but more so because I'm like, oh, that's just, it's what I do. Like, I, you know, accountants don't need to watch themselves doing their work. Like, it just, totally. it's just what I do. It's what I love. I love performing. I love, you know, now I've, I, I directed an episode of Fuller House, so I'm trying to get yes. you know, into that. Like, it's just what I love to do. So as a kid, I, I don't know that I, because I didn't watch a lot of TV, I was a big bookworm, and I, it just never hit me how big the show was really right. it was just kind of what I did and then I would go travel on weekends and you know go do appearances and sign autographs and stuff but it was in the reflection of myself through my peers that I realized just how different I was mm -hmm. uh, which was you know there was resentment there was jealousy there was sycophants there was you know all of those sorts of things that as a kid you're like oh okay so I'm not just the normal kid you know, yeah. that going to Girl Scouts or going and doing whatever. Um, but like I said, I was a, a kid that thrived on a lot to do, a lot of mental stimulation, a lot of plates in the air. And so I think I, no matter what I would have done as a kid, I would have craved something like that, whether it would have 100%. been going into dance more, you know, professionally or do, you know, something like that. I needed a lot of stimulation to keep my my brain busy so I was always really glad that I grew up that way and I was really fortunate to have 
a wonderful cast and support system yeah. and family that not a lot of kids in this business get to have. You know, I, I've had a family. I, I'm an only child. I, you know, it's me and my parents. So I always came from a small family. So yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, so it was it was like this built in extended family and the family that I got out of that. I mean, you know, some shows the kids are kind of an afterthought, but our show yep. Our show was really family centric. And so everyone from the producers to the cast to the right, you know, everybody really supported the kids on that show. So I look at it as, yes, it was chaotic and yes, it felt strange. And yes, I was different. But I also am incredibly grateful for it because I think it was exactly what I needed. I love that. And I love what you said about extended family being an only child, because my entire circle of friends even to this day yes. are considered family to me. And Mine when too. I was, yeah. when I, yeah, when I was growing up and uh, I was diagnosed with like severe ADHD and I, I come from a family with depression and this right. and that and all the therapists as oh. children told me I'd never last having relationships with friends and right. this and they had all these great fucking assumptions. And here I am today, my entire circle of friends mm -hmm. are my extended family. And so I very much relate to you on that yeah. level in, in I, ev every single way. I think there's something interesting too about only children uh, and also being in recovery. There's, I find that a lot of us in recovery, we're, we're constantly searching for this family that we're building. Yep. And, yep. you know, and I remember my mom always talking about it too, like, you know, the, these people will come in and out of your life. And I was like, yeah, they will. But that doesn't mean that they're not, my family right now. And so right. I've always had this sort of ever evolving, ever changing group of friends and family and people. And I love that. Again, it's sort of this chaos. My house is always, um, my, my doors are always open, uh, just yeah. like in Fuller House. Uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. my, I always have friends in the house. I've always, like my house is kind of the meeting spot, the gathering place. It's just the spot where everybody winds up showing up if they need a place to stay if they need you know let's just come have dinner like whatever it is um and i love that. i'm really laughing jody because i can't actually tell you we are the same person and it's really <laughs> odd no but but really uh both in recovery both have two daughters both only children and both yeah. embrace chaos and yeah. everything you're saying my house is like the open house it and is, before yeah. i was in recovery it was the place you'd come and get loaded no, and that, today right, exactly you know <laughs> I, you know, there's something about particular people and I've, and, and my friends have always wow. said this about me, that there are some people who are kind of the center of the wheel. They are like the thing that, that all of uh, the other relationships in their life sort of, you know, emanate from. And I've really yep. found that to be true. And I love that piece of myself. I, and I, yep. it used to be something that I thought maybe was disingenuous because I had so many friends that I felt so close to. I was like, oh, well, that can't possibly be because you're really only supposed to have like two really good friends. And I was like, but I feel like I have such a deeper connection with so many people. And, you know, and and I am I'm so grateful for that because the amount of people yeah. and and relationships that I've had in my life that have changed me, whether they're still in my life or not, yeah. has been phenomenal. You know, and, and totally. looking around at that and feeling like, you know, I see so many of my friends who have now become incredibly close friends or have met people that they now work for or what through this strange conduit of 
my house and me introduce you know whatever and I'm like yes I love that I love yeah. the the synergy and again sort of that controlled chaos of like let's just bring everybody together and see what happens you know I so get it it's amazing <laughs> hearing it I'm laughing only because I'm living what you're speaking yeah. uh, and and it's awesome and I'm just really in, enjoying our conversation <laughs> but you you seem to be so uh, well-adjusted as an adult, right? Here you are, you've had so much success in, in these earlier ages of your career, five to 12, and mm. you're still flourishing in the industry today, which not a lot of people can say they started here and went to there. Why do you think it is that you've succeeded at what so many, unfortunately, have failed at? Um, you know, I'll be really honest. Uh, I didn't know that I was going to succeed at this at a later point in my life. Right. I had sort of walked away from the business a little bit. I went to go work in recovery. I went back to school and you know, my, my trajectory before Fuller House started again was like, okay, well I guess, you know, I'll go back to school. I'll become a therapist. I loved working in drug and alcohol treatment. I loved working with clients. Um, I was a director of operations at one point and you know, doing a lot of the logistical stuff. And I found pieces of myself working outside of the business uh, mm. that I didn't know that I had because I, you know, I, I yes, I had, before. I'd yeah. never experienced it. It was things that I never had to call upon. I didn't know mm -hmm. that I could be a director of operations and have, you know, a staff of over a hundred people that I managed. I never had to do that. I never, I, you know, it wasn't something that I necessarily knew I'd be good at, but you know, my goal was always like, I just, I never had really any ego about it. It was like, this is what I do for a living. You know, even when I was a kid, I was like, this is just my job. Like, it's not, yep. I'm not better than you. I'm not different than you, despite, you know, maybe other people feeling that way. And so, you know, I went through a period of great success. And then I sort of walked away from the business in my 20s. I mean, I had to get sober. I had to completely screw a lot of things up. Um, and then get sober again and get my life back together again and find a totally new avenue. And so, you know, I've lived, I, I mean, I've had no car. I've had, you know, been trying to figure out how to make ends meet at, with two kids and going through a yeah. shitty divorce. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of life experience that has not been beautiful and successful and easy. And I'm so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. When you're in the middle of it, it's awful. But I'm always, I, I'm a person who I know that no matter what I'm going through, that at some point later on, that is going to serve me or serve someone else somehow. My right. experience will not be for nothing. And sometimes it's, you know, you don't look at things until like a two, three years later and you're like, if that horrible thing hadn't happened and all that other bullshit that went with it, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have met this person and this wouldn't have happened. And then this, would, you know, and I'm always able to do that. So, you know, at the times when I have, been you know not necessarily outwardly successful I still managed to feel like I was doing something worthwhile and important I was figuring out myself and my life and yeah. um you know I was just always really grateful that no matter what I was willing to just keep going and yeah, so when I came back to Fuller House I mean it was I didn't know that it was going to happen. We had a bunch of pitch meetings and, you know, nobody was really interested at first. And we were like, I really feel like this is going to go somewhere. And then it just kind of all the pieces fell into place. And that's how it always happens. You know, the pieces just yeah. fall into place. I have learned that trying to be an acceptance of whatever the outcome is, is the, the biggest thing that I can do for myself. 
you know, not getting too attached to what I think it should be, but just being an acceptance of whatever it is. And I have a, I have a crazy question though. Yeah. Do you have any regrets? Because I, I, I don't, and I've been through so much shit, but I really don't. And I, and I am, and I, I'm just really curious. Like, um, I think I don't, you know, for me at least I, there's always things I wish I would have done differently. Um, mostly for me, it's when I look back, I wish, you know, there, there are instances when I really hurt people and I really was not acting out of mm. integrity and out of my best self. And those are the things that I wish I could go back yeah, and, and not hurt others. But at the same time, I realize I am also a person who I don't learn when things are easy. I learn by beating my head against a wall repeatedly until I'm bloody and then being like, well, maybe we should try this one more time and doing it. And then, you know, and finally going like, oh yeah, this isn't gonna fucking work. Um, and so I know that all of the things that were painful and awful and a struggle and that I wish I had done differently, I know all had to happen. But of course there are things I think that we all, I mean, at least for me that I wish I'm like, oh yeah, that was, that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I agree with you though. It's the same, same recovery, over here. I think working through it in recovery also made me realize like, okay, I don't have to, I have to take ownership for this and, and change the behavior, but I don't have to own the guilt and the shame. Totally. You know, the, the, the shame which comes from, I am a bad person, not I did yep. something bad, which is, you know, yep. it, there's a huge difference in that. And getting rid of, getting over that, that hill of I am bad, rather yep. than just saying, I've done some really fucked up things that I have made amends for and moved on from, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, that's, there's a big, there's a huge difference in that. And I totally. would say that I'm finally in the place where I I don't feel shame about who I am or the things I've yeah. done. Um, I have walked through them and, and made them better and made them okay. And, you know, I'm not that person anymore. Love that so much. And it's true. Like now today, I know how to keep my side of the street clean. Right. I've done, God, thousands of fucked up things in my life. Funnily enough, the biggest ones are what have made me who I am today. Exactly. And and that's just me and that's how I feel. And it, I, I feel like uh, we've gone through the same in that respect. But looking back, what was the most chaotic time or moment in your life that you were able to transform into a positive experience? Is there one that stands out? Uh, gosh, there's, <laughs> there's so many, um, I which you. I don't, don't know worry. if that's a good yep. or a bad thing. But no, I'd say, you know, a few years ago, um, I went through a really bad breakup. And it was really awful and mm. and it was lasted a while and it was not fun. But during that time, there came a point of this was several years, like four years ago, I realized I needed to go and do something for myself. And I took this trip. I went on this trip to Thailand. We were going to shoot in um, Japan for the show for two weeks. And we had a week off before that. And I was like, you know, I need to go travel alone. I need to go just do something I've never done. I've never really traveled internationally. And I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it myself. And I'm just going to go spend a week with me. And despite all of the craziness and all of the stuff and the chaos that was going on, you know, at home at that time, I remember I got on the plane and I took off and I was just, I, I was giddy. 
I, I remember, I'll never forget this moment. Um, the first full night that I had, I was in um, Chiang Mai and it's Northern Thailand. And I was, I went to the night market by myself and I was out shopping or whatever, you know, alone in this country where I, I knew no one. Awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't speak the language, anything. And the guide that was helping me out with stuff had told me earlier, she was like, okay, get one of the little tuk-tuks to go yeah. home, which are like these little, they're sort of like a motorcycle with like a little cab on the back. And yeah. I will never forget, I will never forget riding through the streets at night at 11 o'clock and it was warm and it was humid and there was people and life and all of this new experience. And I was in the back of this thing, like giggling to myself. I mean, my, the poor driver was probably like, oh, this crazy American lady. Um, but I, because I just, for the first time in a really long time, felt free mm-hmm. and felt I so like understand. I was reconnecting with myself in a way that I hadn't in a very long time. And you know, that moment, I, I look back at that moment, that was, it was a, a changing, a life-changing moment for me, was that, that trip, and that week, and that chaos that led to such an immense sense of peace, and that led to me really getting in touch in an even deeper way at that moment with who I genuinely am, and yeah. who I am okay in being yeah. in my own skin. Um, Love. you know, so that's, I, I always think that out of the, the greatest moments of, of chaos and pain come our biggest change. If we're God, willing, if we're willing to take the action to do it, you know, Absolutely. and, and, and that's, who would that's have thought it would have been in the middle of Thailand on the back of a tuk-tuk on right. your own in warm climate weather, right. uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but growing up and even today, I am shit at being on my own. Right. Um, and, and funnily enough, and I relate again, some of my warmest moments have been with myself yeah. in some of my darkest times. And it's just when you don't realize what you need is exactly what you need, if that uh-huh. makes any sense. Oh, and so love that, love that. Yeah. And are there any like huge lessons that you've learned along the way um, from your time of working in Hollywood? I mean, Hollywood's a weird place, right? It, like, is, it is, but I had, strangely enough, I had a very normal experience there. I don't it's know weird. how, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a book. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think I had, I had a normal experience again because I landed in this really wonderful family on yeah. Full House and that changed everything. I mean, it really yeah. did, I, you know, not every... Hollywood story is terrible, but certainly not everyone is as full of love and and family and genuine connectedness as as mine has been. Totally. You know, I I mean, it's been 34 years, almost 35 that I've known all these people. And besides my parents, these are the longest relationships that I have in my life, really. And so, you know, when I look back on that and I just think, despite growing up in what many would consider sort of this weird Hollywood lifestyle. My parents were very normal. My dad, you know, all throughout my time working, he was a superintendent at a gypsum plant in Long Beach Harbor, like worked a total blue collar job. You know, my mom was a stay at home mom until she became basically my manager sort of, which just meant that she was driving me back and forth to work every day and, you know, traveling with me on weekends and stuff. But my parents were normal. They were not, they wanted no part of this crazy Hollywood thing. They didn't want to 
capitalize off of me. They just right. wanted to see me able to do something that I loved and I loved performing and I was great at it. And they saw this wonderful opportunity. And so the Hollywood life that I grew up in, yes, it was in front of the cameras and yes, there was all of this strange stuff that went along with it, but it was also very much grounded in a normal life with my family. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel wow. like I was never completely disconnected from what real life is. And yet I always knew, I was always grateful for the experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think people that consider a child star age five through 12, like it must be chaos, it must be mad, there's no touch or sense of reality. But I think it comes down to your parents. Yes. Like your parents kept you grounded, your parents kept you cool, they took care of you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I often, I, I was born and raised by a single mother who really did the same for me in a very different walk of mm -hmm. life. But it is, it's our parents that make us who we are today. And that's why I'm so honestly just grateful to be where I am today so that my children right. can be raised in a certain way, the same way that your children can be raised in a certain way. Exactly. Um, and it is, it's, it's so important. But is there a moment, Jody, uh, that comes to mind as the moment, and maybe you've already answered this, but I love to dive deep into this. Yeah. Is there a moment where everything in life just changed for you? Was that Thailand on the tuk-tuk? Was that a separate moment? Was it um, when you got into recovery? Like, what did that know, look like where it happened? I always say that I don't know that there's ever one point in our life that changes everything. I yeah. think there's a lot. And I think there's a lot of moments that, are, you know, course corrections where we find yeah. ourselves getting back to who we really want to be. And then, then there are moments when we make an entirely new decision and take our lives and our journey in a completely new direction. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I've had so many, I, I mean, becoming a mom when my, yeah. when my first daughter was born and, and then my second, like that was, I mean, that was immense. That's becoming a parent is the ultimate, like there's a before and an after, you know, I oh, was, yes. I was not a mom and was just doing my own thing. And then I was mom. And sometimes going from not mom to mom is a really scary thing. You oh, know, I mean, that yeah. that was a big part of why my friend and I started um, Never Thought I'd Say This was because we were like, I never thought I'd say I'd be a mom. Like I just, yep. I was such a, you know, I mean, for a long time, I was just such a disaster. <laughs> yep, but yep, I was also yep. just, uh, just wasn't the place in life I was in. Totally. And so it made me, realign my priorities and shift everything. And suddenly it wasn't just about me. And suddenly it was, you know, maybe there were decisions that I wanted to make. And I was like, oh, wait, I can't do that kind of shit now. Like, it's yeah. it's different. Life is different. And, you know, the first time I got into recovery, I mean, I was barely 18 years old the first time I tried to get sober. And, you know, uh, that was a huge moment for me, walking into a room and, you know, hearing your your story and your feelings and people that look nothing like it you, hard. It, yep. you just go like, oh shit. And that feeling of I'm not alone and there's something different and I don't, you know, I, I don't have to be this person, you know, and all of the times of like coming back in the rooms and get it, you know, and trying to get it over and over and getting to deeper levels every time. And then there's moments of huge breakups, you know, getting together with some, like that change your life and change where you think you're going. I mean, Fuller House coming back, my God, that was huge, you know? And it was, and I, I mean, there's times in my life I look at like, you know, I was living um, on the properties of one of the places I worked 
uh, because I was going through a, a really bad divorce and I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a place to be with my kids. And so we moved into a bottom apartment and then I lost my job three weeks later because everyone got fired. And so I, you know, was in a place of like, oh my God, I just lost my job and my place to live. And I've got two kids and it's mm -hmm. me. And so what the fuck do I do? And, you know, finding that inner hustle and that inner, like, yeah. I will do whatever I've got to do, I, you know, to, to keep my kids safe. And, you know, all of those things, going to Thailand and having this amazing trip by myself that I'd never traveled alone before. I'd never been to a foreign country before. I'd never done all of those things. And then Fuller House coming back and getting to jump back into what I really love doing and where I feel most at home and most alive, which is on set and, and in production. And jumping back into that from a place of having lost everything and then getting mm -hmm. to come back and be like, oh shit, okay. I have a new perspective on this. I know, I, I, I realize that this is what I love and this is what I wanna do, but I also realize I can lose everything and figure it the fuck out and still right, be okay. Right. You know, and so yeah. I, I wish there was one before and one after, but there's many for me. Totally, there's totally. And I think, I think there's, you know, I look at all of those moments as like, wow, I made a choice and went a certain direction and then, you know, maybe had to go back or had to, you know, mm -hmm. move in a totally different way. And it's it's the story of our lives when we look back and we go, you know, again, oh, were it not for this, which was a really shitty experience, this wouldn't have happened, which was a wonderful experience. And totally agree. I wouldn't have the gratitude and the appreciation for that wonderful thing had it not been for feeling like, oh, my God, I've fucking lost everything. You know, Absolutely. so and yep. the peace that comes with knowing that you can lose everything and still be OK and mm -hmm. finding that sense of, you know, one thing that I definitely found for myself in the years that I wasn't acting was I found how to be OK on the inside, regardless yeah. of what the outside looks like, um, but how to be OK on the inside and how to be OK even when I wasn't OK, like how That's to true. still have this this rock of stability, even when I feel like I'm falling apart and to know and trust that, mm -hmm. that that will always be there. Even, you know, it's that, that inner knowing and that sense of, of connection to something greater than yourself of knowing that that is always there, even if I don't feel like it at the time, you know, totally and so understand what you're saying and agree, but it's like the big one is kids, right? It just yeah. changes. Almost, every, I mean, I will tell you real quick, you said so many things that resonate, but like I had my first daughter aged 26. I was 26. I, never even, I was Oh, too. really? Yes. Dude, this is weird. <laughs> I'd never even held a kid aged 26. I couldn't even look after myself no, aged right, no, 26. No, no. You know, I, I, I got sober July 5th, 2009. My daughter was born August 29th, 2009. It yeah. was a really wild fucking time. But the second Sophia, my 10-year-old, was born and she came out, I held her as if I'd been holding kids for the last 30 years. And it, was, it, it felt to me like at that moment, everything changed right there. Like you said, it had no longer been about me. It was about them. And I constantly today, and you said something that actually really resonated with me, which is like every day, even today, I still worry and fear that tomorrow I might lose everything. Right. 
And we it's a scary thought, but especially right now, do. I think especially right now we're all in the place of like, Correct. you know, that, that thing that we've always told ourselves of like, oh, that shit won't happen overnight. We're like, oh, well, no, actually, <laughs> yeah. actually it, could. it did. It could. And it can. Right. And, and, and being like, oh, but again, that's much bigger than me and I can't control it, yep. you know? Yeah, totally. And I, I, I wonder like your podcast and I said it earlier, I know you said it's comedy with a little bit of parenting, but what what inspired you to start that podcast? Did it did you want to share with other parents what the hell you were going through or like yeah, where did that know, come from? It came from my best friend and I, um, Celia Behar, who hosts it with me. She and I have been friends for like we can never remember eight years, nine years, seven years. I don't know. A long time. Um, I mean, not forever, but we have become sisters in that time. You know, she has two daughters who are very similar to my girls, similar in age and personalities and everything. And so she and I really bonded over that. And we would have these crazy fucking stories of like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I didn't like, is this what parenting is? Or is this just, am I fucking it up? You know? (laughs) And and when we would talk about it, it, we were like, oh wait, oh, you did that. Oh yeah, you did that too. Yeah, me too. That was really awful, wasn't it? Yeah. and, and being like, you know, I feel like there's other moms out there because, you know, so much of the parenting stuff you read, like, at least for me, I've always been like, oh, God, I don't do that. Oh, yeah. I'm a yeller. Oh, I'm a, the, oh, God, I'm damaging them, you know, and, and trying to do better. But at the same time, acknowledging like, this isn't easy. The kids are maniacs. They're insane. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. feed off of that. And I jump right in there with them, you know, and talking about those stories um, and really, it, we just both, we're both incredibly irreverent and and pretty offensive. And so we were like, you know, I feel like there's got to be some other moms out there like us. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, there are. Bet you and, found that out real quick. Oh, yeah. And we've got a, a, a great amount of dads that listen to that are like, you. I love the way you guys talk about parenting because you guys aren't trying to be perfect. You're not, you know, you're willing to admit your faults and you make all of us feel more comfortable with knowing that stuff and feeling like, yeah, I'm willing to put this out there. Sometimes my kids are like, oh my God, mom, I can't believe you told that story. Like apparently my, you know, my older one thinks that I'm, she's just like, that is not what happened. And I'm like, I feel like it is. She's like, that's not. (laughs) It it. really, it came about as us wanting to be able to tell these really stupid, inappropriate stories from a place of genuine love and concern and caring for our kids that also was like, but seriously, guys, what the fuck? You know? Yep. (laughs) So good. So true. So true. I mean, every day, talk about not being able to script it. Children are just like, hello. Every day I come home, they say something to me. And as a dad with two girls, it just kind of gets weird sometimes. I'm like, Valeria, who's my wife, come and answer this. Because it's like, and now they're getting to that age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where you can't ask me that question. Go ask mommy because I'm going to answer it wrong. Um, So shifting gears, and this is a question that I'm just curious about more than anything. And I researched uh, prior to to, to starting our podcast. And that was you talking about Bob Saget, how he's helped you shape your dark sense of humor. I, I am curious, like he's a character, right? But how did working on Full House and working with him shape the person you've become today? Because he is definitely an interesting one. Oh, he is. And I love, I mean, I, I like I've been saying, you know, the cast that I worked with, I mean, Bob and John and Dave and Candace and Andrea, like all these people that I've known my whole life and who yeah. are, you know, aunts and uncles and, and close love family it. members to me, um, yeah. they all contributed something, you know? And, um, and of course, you know, my parents are the hugest influence, but I spent a majority of my time 
and my formative years with this group of people. And two of them happened to be stand up comedians. And I, I loved comedy. I, uh, you know, it's funny because I don't watch a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like a stand-up special, I'm not a big sitcom person. I don't. I watch mm-hmm. pretty dark television. Yeah, which is strange because I feel like that also sort of informs my comedy in a really fucked up way. Um, I get it. Yeah, but you know, growing up around these people that were always on, they were always their their brains worked fast. They were constantly observing, noticing, picking up on, imitating, doing. You know, and I was very much the same way. And you know, one of the yeah. biggest compliments that I always got from Bob and Dave and, and even John and, you know, was that the natural comedic timing that I had, they were like, I have, I've rarely seen a person like you. And to know that and to be like, Oh, that's a really huge compliment, you know? Um, and like I said, I'm incredibly irreverent and dark and, and was as a kid. And it wasn't like I knew necessarily all the jokes like a lot of that shit went over my head but I was picking up on the rhythm and I was picking up on how they observed people and how important that was to constantly be interpreting information in my head um and you know Bob and I were really close he has three daughters and I was really close to them growing up I would go home with Bob uh, you know on weekends sometimes he would take me from the set back to his house with his wife and kids and I would spend you know a night or two up there with them and we'd make pancakes and we'd do all the stuff but you know I remember there was one time that we had to uh, stop at the uh, laugh factory on the way home because Bob was doing a set and you know it was oh I laugh at it because it was Bob Saget humor and I was like nine and I was sitting in the back of the laugh factory you know (laughs) flashing I got to flash his little five minute warning light and all this stuff And, you know, again, a lot of it went over my head and I didn't necessarily get it, but I knew it was funny and I knew there was a reason. And so that stuff kind of seeped into my head. And I realized as I got older, just how much that informed my sense of comedy and and kind of who I became and the stuff that I found funny. Um, You know, and, you know, my mom to this day sometimes will be like, there's there's something wrong with you. I don't know. That's not that you. I didn't teach you that. I'm like, no, I don't think you did. <laughs> actually, uh, mom, you did it. You're like indirectly learning. Don't, yep. I don't blame you for this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm so grateful for that because I feel like um, it has made me who I am. And my my sense of humor is something that I take great pride in. You know, I used to I think a lot of women tell themselves like, oh, I'm not funny. Like girls aren't funny. And. For me, I, you know, I've always said like my sense of humor is the one thing that like no matter what I look like, I will always be that person. I will always Love it. have that sort of outlook on life. And I'm so grateful for it because it it started at an early age and it's it's the the piece of my one of the pieces of myself that I know will never go away. You know, I'll be the, the you, old you 85 it. year old lady cracking inappropriate jokes at the at the nursing home. I will definitely be that lady. And you either have it or you don't. And you definitely have it, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you thank do. You. Thank you. And it's, I, But it's true. I have a lot of fun with it. And I think as I've gotten older, too, having that sense of humor has made me more comfortable in my own skin because it's mm-hmm. allowed me to laugh at myself and totally. to sort of laugh at the absurdity of life around me and to not take things so fucking seriously. Like, I don't. That's right. You know, I yes, I have my moments of like, you know, small mental breakdowns where I'm like, everything's wrong and I'm falling apart. But then most of the time I'm like, eh, fuck it. Like, what is, you know, it, it, give it six months. Like, this is, this, there's some new chaos and drama that's going to happen. And I'll just laugh at this shit right now. Um, totally. And it has helped me, that sense of dark humor. And, you know, watching Bob and Dave 
lose their sisters and their family members to chronic illness and things like that and laugh through it and make make fun of, you know, jokes at the worst time. I I mean, I still remember my mom being like, I can't believe they're joking about this. And I remember thinking, why wouldn't you? It's the only way that you can get through this. You know, I, I mean, I still get looks from my mom sometimes when I make jokes about, you know, death or whatever. She's just like, I'm like, what? It's, you know, What's you, the point of fucking being down and crying if you can make light of something? I, it's, I, it, but everyone know, deals with shit differently, right? Exactly. That's the thing is, we, you know, we all deal with stuff differently. And that's just how I've learned to cope. And that's how I've watched people in my life, you know, learn to cope is just laugh at it. Make fun of it. Take the the power away from it by laughing yeah. at it because otherwise it can kill you. It can, that yeah. sense of feeling lost in the despair. And of course we, it, you, we are all allowed to have those moments and sometimes we do get lost in it. But if I can come back to laughing at it or looking at it like, well, this is some shit, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and be able to find the humor. It makes my life much easier to, to process. And I feel like I gain, I am able to look at it in a different way and almost more objectively and be like, Oh, so I can laugh at the chaos. I can, I can, you know, this doesn't have to, to own me, but I can, I can jump in there with it and, and we'll get through it and it'll be okay. And I can laugh at myself and the stupid shit I've done. And I can laugh at the situation and I can, you know, throw up my hands and be like, well, you know, fuck it. It is what it is. And that has helped me. And so much of that came from growing up around the people that I did and around just such a vast, diverse group of people that I probably never would have met in my regular life of, you know, living in Orange County with my parents who were very normal, wonderful people. Um, You know, I, I, I'm so grateful for it because I really think it's exactly what I needed to become the person that I am today. And I, I finally enjoy the person that I am today. And that has been 38 years of, you know, hard won battles. And today I can finally say like, yeah, you know, I actually kind of like me. I, I, I like, I like who I am. I like who I've become. I Love who you've become. The three words that have stuck out in this podcast are chaos and fuck it, right? (laughs) Fuck and it are two words, by the way. And I think your idea and mentality and understanding of how to embrace the chaos today more than ever is Mm -hmm. definitely the path that people should be taking. And if you're sitting there and you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're suffering, uh, check out Jody. Watch her podcast, because let me tell you, you'll end it with some smiling, some laughter. And uh, I love the the way you look at things. So I'm happy we're ending right there. The time has come to wrap things up. You are a sweetheart, a a real sweetheart. And uh, at the end of every episode, we close things out with a little segment called Chaotic Questions with James. Okay. Are you ready, Jody? I'm ready. What room in the house do you spend the most time in right now? Uh, it's a tie between my bedroom and the couch downstairs. Basically anywhere I can lay down. <laughs> totally with you. What are you currently learning? 
Uh, I am currently learning, I'm actually reading some really great books about uh, how to be anti-racist. Uh, my activism is a really huge part of who I am with what's going on in the world right now. I'm out at protests almost every weekend. So I'm learning about um, how to be the best ally and fighter for justice and equality that I can be. And I love that. And I've seen that all over your Instagram. And I think that that is wonderful. Um, what motivates you today? Um, making sure that my kids are okay. Amen to that. What chore do you hate doing? Dishes. I fucking oh. hate doing the dishes. <laughs> like once I'm done with food, I don't want to look at it. I don't like leftovers. I'm kind of an asshole that way. My boyfriend's the same way. But like, I just, I'm like, ew, I don't want to look at you. You're cold now. I've eaten you. <laughs> Our time, it's ended. I don't want it. You're just disgusting now. And so like dishes sometimes are really hard for me. That's how I used to feel after sex, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, disgusting. It was there for the taking. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, please. I threw a softball. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> you like laid it up for right. me there. Like, oh, you're um, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> and, and, and to end this, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Oh. Uh, man, that it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Yep. That, that, you know, the story's not over yet. It's not yep. over because you're still here. So I love that. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Jody, I cannot thank you enough for being a guest on the podcast. Where can people follow you? Stay up to date with your current projects. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jody Sweeten. Uh, Twitter is at Jody Sweeten as well. And uh, my Facebook is at official Jody Sweeten. And, uh, but I'm really most active on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of stuff, videos, all that kind of thing. And if you want to check out the podcast, it's called uh, Never Thought I'd Say This. It's on Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, Stitcher. And you can follow us at Never Thought I'd Say This on Instagram as well. Love it. And guys, it is an unbelievable podcast. So definitely check it out. Catch Million Dollar Listing on Bravo. And to everyone watching, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Tell your friends, your neighbors, and anyone who would enjoy the Positively Chaotic podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Jody. you're awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mwah. I'm wow. sending you my, much love. My pleasure.